Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues his series entitled, Lies of Religion. In this message, Brandon looks at the lie that the church is only a building. So often, we talk about going to church and not being the church. He explains that in the very end, all that will be left is Christ and His bride, which is the church, a.k.a. the body of Christ. Good morning. How's everybody today? Everybody good? Excited? Pumped up? Ready to go? Woohoo! It's going to be good. We're going to have a good time. Just thankful for the opportunity to worship with you guys. Just the opportunity to get into God's Word. Let's hear what He has to say to us today. Um, first of all, though, today's a big day. How about it all? For, give it up for the mothers in the room today. Woohoo! Yeah. Where would we be without our moms, right? Seriously, like when everybody else gives up on you, your mother's still there, right? When you screw everything up, your mom's still there to like, lean on, right? So, uh, so I know my mother was very thankful for her and just um, all she's done for my life. And just thankful for all of you guys, all you mothers who, who have poured into so many people's lives here today. Um, I, I don't know how many people are saved because of the prayers of mothers and grandmothers, right? Some of us have, have gone a, a long way off the path. And our mothers and grandmothers continued to pray for us, and, and uh, God eventually brought us back. So uh, very thankful for you guys today, and just want to say first and foremost today, uh, we want to honor you and just thank you for um, all you've done in our lives. Um, also, remember, now listen, don't forget this, next Sunday is uh, baptisms. Hadn't done this in a while because the river is so cold, right? And, and, and so it's warming up. We're going out to the Geechee. We're going to meet out here in the parking lot at 4 o'clock. Then we're going to just follow one another out to the Geechee River. If you've ever been with us when we've done this before, it is absolutely incredible. So I, I want to ask you, if you've, listen, if you've accepted Christ, right, you made Jesus your Savior, and you've never been baptized, we need to get that done. Jesus said, be baptized, right? Repent and be baptized. So you've taken one step. Your next step, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is to be baptized. So we want to encourage you to sign up for that at the Next Steps table. Let's go out there. We'll have an awesome time. We'll have some refreshments set up for you guys. It'll be a great time of fellowship and, uh, and just a great time where we can see people um, publicly professing their faith in Christ and the fact that they have gone from death to life. And that awesome? Man, it's so awesome to think about is going from death to life. It's absolutely incredible. A miracle that we get to be a part of. So sign up for that out there. You, if you're not getting baptized, just come with us and come celebrate, man. You can go swimming afterwards if you want to. You can bring a fishing, whatever you want. Listen, it'll just be a great time to, to hang out and uh, fellowship and celebrate what Jesus is doing in the lives of people. Also, baby dedications, uh, you can get hooked up with that. They can talk to you more about that at Next Steps too. But get signed up. Um, all right, so... Here's the deal. We're going to continue. This is the fourth week of Lies of Religion, um, and and we're going to continue that today. The lie we're looking at today is that the church is a building, right? I'm like, thank God the church isn't a building or we'd be in trouble because we don't have one, right? And, and, And so whether you realize it or not, you guys are the church. We're the church. We're the big C. The, the church that, that, that Jesus died to build. And so we're going to be looking at that today. I believe that, that God um, wants to do an incredible work in our hearts and our lives today. And so we're going to jump into this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We'll read a few verses and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. God, right now, I just ask that 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 same Spirit that flooded those believers on the day of Pentecost would flood this room and that today, God, um, today we would see people go from death to life because of the realization that, that, that you died to build the church. And God, those of us who are in Christ that, that know you are that church, God. And so, Father, I pray today that uh, maybe some, some blinders would be lifted from our eyes, that we would see clearly um, who the church is and what we're called to do. Or just have your way here in this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you like uh, like roller coasters? Anybody? Anybody? How many? Of you? Yeah, yeah. I love roller coasters. I, I found though, the older I get, the when I ride them, the more nauseated and dizzy I feel. So I kind of have to take it easy now. But you, man, especially when I was little, I love going to to amusement parks. Can you remember the first time you went to an amusement park? 
You remember that? Like Six Flags or maybe it was Disney World or Universal Studios or whatever. And you went to the amusement park. How pumped were you? Because you're like, I'm riding everything. Every ride there, I'm getting on it. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to get on the rides. It's going to be awesome. We're going to spend all day riding rides. And when you got to the amusement park, what did you spend all day doing? Standing in line. And you're so frustrated, right? I mean, I can remember when I was a little kid and it's like really standing in line two hours to ride something that takes less than a minute. And and you're there and you get in line and you're just standing there. And then it's like your feet are hurting. You want to set up on the rail. And as soon as you set up on the rail, somebody comes by and they're like, sir, you can't sit there. I'm like, whatever. I paid 30 bucks to get in here. And and if I want to sit on the rail, I will sit. And then you end up getting kicked out. And and anyway, or, or what we would end up doing a lot of times, and we finally learned after one or two times, like the thing you do not do is go and ride the water rides first. That creates a bad day. You go and you get soaking wet, right? And it always ended up that when I would ride the water rides, I always got stuck under the water. And it was like soaking wet and you get off and you're walking. And about 30 minutes later, you're walking like it's all, you're all chafed up. And the rest of the day, you're just miserable, miserable. And, you know, we can walk into this amusement park with these grand ideas and we can come out completely disillusioned, right? Because we walked in with with some thoughts that just weren't true. We thought we were going in for a day of fun riding the amusement park and all we ended up was chafed, right? And, and you know what I found? What I found is that a lot of people walk into church that way. A lot of people walk into church looking for God. And you know what they find? A bunch of committees. They find a bunch of people who act like they're chafed. You know what I'm talking about. Sir, you're sitting in my seat. What, what, that's my granddaddy's name on the pew, right? Get out of my seat. Come on. We, we've been places before where you walk in the doors and rather than coming in and finding the bread of life and the living water of God that he promised us, we walk in and we walk out disillusioned because we feel more chafed than we do closer to God. And, and I believe it's time that we need to change that, Right? I believe it's time we need to get to the realization that Jesus didn't die for a building. He didn't die for a committee. He didn't die for a bunch of people to grumble. He died so that we could be set free from sin and death and so that we could begin to live a life that other people actually would love to imitate. That's exactly what Jesus died for. And when we read these first four verses in Acts chapter 2, I hear it all the time. Let's get back to the Acts chapter 2. Let's get back to Acts chapter 2. Let's get back to Acts. Let's get back to Acts. I'm like... Cool, because it was simple then. It was simple. You know what they did? They preached the gospel. It was simple. And we read these first four verses, and even the first four verses of this new church being flooded with the Holy Spirit has called, caused division, and it's caused people to lose their minds over the Holy Spirit. Right? Because I can read this, and I can say that... that, that that all of a sudden there were flames, like tongues of fire and they all begin to speak with tongues. And here's the thing that happens. I can guarantee you're probably on one end of the spectrum or the other. When I say Holy Spirit, there's one group of people that wants to jump up and go, woohoo, and start running around the church. Right? Nothing wrong with, hey, if you need to run, run. Seriously, like take all, bring your tennis shoes and go. There's a track, man, you can go out on that track and run. Whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to worship Jesus, they, freedom of worship, right? Go. But there's the other side that's like, Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, flame with fire. I didn't know he, he don't exist anymore. Then how does anybody get saved? Right? And so we got this whole spectrum and this whole thing that, that divides us. And isn't it funny that Satan would take the thing that was meant to unify us and use it to divide us? Isn't that crazy? He's pretty crafty, isn't he? That's what the Bible says. He's pretty crafty. He deceives us. And he comes in and he's begun to divide the church with the very thing that was meant to unify us. Listen, I want you to understand this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God was sent to us for the purpose of unification and empowerment to preach the gospel. 
That's why the Holy Spirit came. That's why the Holy Spirit came. Now, the Holy Spirit is like a, it's like a beam of light. If you shoot it through a prism, you shoot a light through a prism, it'll produce all kinds of colors. But the problem in the church is we like to grab hold of the color that we like and disregard the others. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit is God and God came to reconcile us to himself and to each other to fill us with boldness and power. Every time the Spirit of God moved, people were filled with boldness and you and I need to be filled with boldness to proclaim the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit came for. It's to empower us. Look at the lives of the disciples. They were such babies. I mean, they were chickens, right? Until the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And men and women who were running and scared and wouldn't come outside of a, of a room went from being people who were frightened to people who were willing to die on a cross upside down. Because of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God came. Listen, Jesus died so that we could be unified and empowered to preach the gospel and spread the glory of God all over this earth. That's why Jesus died. So that we could take this message of hope to a world that needs it. So that we could carry the truth of Christ to people whose lives are are literally, literally on a downward spiral. And they need the one thing that can save them. They need the one thing that they can plant their life on. And you and I are called to preach this gospel. We're called to do this. Jesus died for a church that would be unified and empowered to preach the gospel of Christ. That Jesus has overcome sin and death. And here's the thing I want every one of you to understand. Those of you who say, I've got a relationship with God, that's awesome. But I want to talk to those right now who you know you don't have a relationship with God. I want you to understand, Jesus died for you. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven. And today, he doesn't want to make you a part of a building, a committee, or anything. He wants you to to make you a part of his body. As simple as that. He wants you to be a part of his body. Jesus died to unify us. And empower us to preach the gospel. There's a couple of things I want to talk about that, that, that I don't think Jesus died for, right? Because I think in church we get it all messed up sometimes. We get it all confused. Like, like somehow, some of, we, we tend to think that Jesus died to give us a place that we can go and be comfortable and complacent. Right? Because Obviously so, because of, because of some of the things we say. And and here's the deal, guys. Jesus didn't die to make us comfortable. If that's the case, then why did the the, the 12 men that were the closest to him end up dying martyrs' death except for John? Some of them were dragged behind horses. Some some of them were were crucified upside down. And even John, who didn't die a martyr, listen, he was boiled in hot oil. And it didn't kill him. How about that for comfortable? You know, our comfort, it comes from Christ. In in Philippians, when Paul was teaching us to rejoice, he says, listen, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about rejoicing in the Lord. And so many times we think that God created this thing that's comfortable. No, you know what he did? He created a kingdom. He created a place for us in Christ so that no matter what we're in, we can rejoice. No matter what we're going through, we've got this peace that surpasses all understanding. And there's something on the inside of us that says, even though I'm going through what I'm going through, there's something bigger on the outside. There's something bigger on the inside that's, that's greater than what's in the world. And so you and I need to realize this. Listen, God didn't, Jesus didn't die to create a place for you and I to come in and get complacent and comfortable. He died to create a unified people. And the people that will go out and even despite uncomfortable situations and circumstances, we would preach the gospel to the lost. That we would proclaim liberty to those who are, who are captive. We bind up the brokenhearted with the truth of God's word. Another thing that, that I just don't believe that, that Jesus died for. Um, how many of you have ever been to like a, a really nice golf course? Anybody ever been to a really nice golf course? Yes, a lot of people, like I can't do it very often, but there have been times in my life where I have been to a really nice golf course. And, and the funny thing was, the first time I pulled up, I was already nervous because I'm like, I don't belong here. 
I was like, I, I do not belong here. And we pull up and, and we start to get out of the car and there's already these guys with like um, shirts on and they were, they were dressed alike. So, I mean, they kind of look like um, synchronized swimmers or something. They were dressed just alike and they come over and they start grabbing my, my clubs and, and our stuff out of the cart. And I almost did the Happy Gilmore, like run and tackle them. I thought they were stealing my stuff. And, and come to find out, they were just there to get my clubs and to get our card and to make sure we had towels and range balls and, and all this stuff. And, and they were serving me. I mean, I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. I was like, I don't deserve this. They have no idea how little money I actually have. They have no idea. And because I was there, they were serving. They were doing all this stuff. I'd walk into the, the pro shop. I'm like, you know, 16, 17 years old. They're calling me, this like 35-year-old man's calling me sir. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do that. And, and he's calling me, sir. And man, you're pampered. It was like, can we get you a drink? Can we do this? Can we do that? What can we do to help you? What can we do to help you? You know, I was thinking about that this week. And, and so many times I think as the church, we think that we are the consumer rather than the one who's supposed to be serving. I think we pull up and we're like, where's the guy to get my clubs? Where's it? Wouldn't it be cool, though, like if you could pull up and one day and somebody's like, can I touch your Bible for you, sir? <laughs> and, but so many times we pull up, and it's just like this, guys. And, and if you hear this wrong, I mean, you, you're going to have to hear this wrong if, to, get, to take this in an offensive way. I will say some things that are intended to offend. This is not one of them. But, but what I'm about to say, if you take it the wrong way, then you didn't hear my heart, okay? But the other day I was in the grocery store. And I'm in line, and there were two young ladies in front of me. And they were buying their groceries, and, 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 and they were using food stamps, okay? Now, listen, I think food stamps are a great thing, okay? Hear my heart in this. I think food stamps are great. I think, in fact, if the church was being the church, we wouldn't need food stamps, and we wouldn't have to fight over health care because we'd be taking care of what, what needs to be taken care of, right? If the church was being the church. But I'm standing there, and it was, it was kind of a, a humorous thing, not the fact they were paying with food stamps. Listen, but right now, food stamps are helping people whose houses and all were destroyed in a tornado. We need stuff like that. We need stuff like that. Listen to me. But I'm sitting there, and they're paying, and it's taking forever, right? And I just run in, and it's always the same thing. You know, you go in to get, like, four things, and then, and then the person in front of you, it's like they got a whole buggy full. Well, they're paying with these things, and they're having to scan them and go through all this stuff. And there was a guy in front of me. I was, so he was, like, sandwiched between me and these young ladies. And, and the funniest thing, y'all, this dude was about to flip his lid. And I was watching him. And you know how people, when they start getting mad, like their feet start shuffling first? He'd put it up on the buggy, he'd take it down, he'd put it up, he'd take it down, he'd put it up, he'd take it and then, and then his head starts turning. And then I like, see his mouth. He starts moving his mouth real funny, and, and his face started turning red, and all of a sudden, like, veins are popping out of his neck, and I'll kind of start backing up. I'm like, this dude's head is about to explode. And so I'm watching him, and I'm watching this thing, and, and you know, and I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a hurry too, but I'm like, you know, it's going to be all right, it's, it, it'll work out. Well, then they finally get everything paid. Their groceries were bagged. And they're sitting there and they won't go. I'm like, what? what? What's going on? Well, the, the person bagging the groceries had walked off. And they were standing there and they said, I paid for you to put my groceries in my cart. I was like, what? Excuse me? I paid, and then they, they proceeded to cuss out the girl at the cash register. And I thought, that is insane. You just received everything for free, and you feel like you have the right to demand more? And I was like, that's the church. We've received everything. God has made us rich in Christ. We, we need to realize, listen, we're not here to be served. We're here to serve. Come on, people. Let's get off our butt. Let's get going. Let's begin to do some stuff to show people that, that, that we have received everything we need in Christ, every spiritual blessing, everything we need for holiness, we have received in Christ. We have become heirs with Christ. We have received it all in him. The problem is we have it all at our fingertips and we refuse to use any of it. Come on, church. We're better than that. We're better than that. I'm be we're better than that. 
We can do better. Listen, we have been equipped, empowered, and unified to go out, to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, for people to look at our lives and say there is something truly divine about them. Last thing I would say that we're not, Jesus didn't die for. Y'all ever been into um, like a restaurant? And and the first time I saw this, I was like, man, I I was really confused because I walked in and there was this thing on the wall and, and, and you pulled it down. And it looked kind of like a mini cot, right? I was like, what is it? And then I started reading. It was a changing station. A changing station. I was like, oh, a changing station. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walk in and I'm looking at that thing. And, and, and then, you know, the, thing, the funny thing, though, is I've never walked into one of the in a restaurant in a bathroom and seen a guy actually changing a baby. Like, I'm pretty sure the women's is worn out. But the guy, it is perfect. It is fine. It has nothing on it. And, and, and I've never walked in and they'd be like, hey, man, sorry, I just got to change. It never happened to me. Never seen it. Never seen it one, not one time. I bet you hadn't either. I'm sure the women's get shoes. The men's never get, they could take it out. And we'd be like, hmm, they have a picture or something. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. And you know, it's funny. We got a five-month-old baby. And one of the, my, my, the funniest things for me to do is, is, is to go and, and when we, it's time to change his diaper. Because you take off his clothes, you know, and, and, and you kind of pull him up. And then you take off his diaper and, and you clean him up and everything. And they love it. And he's like, ah, <laughs> He's like, I'm free. Woo! He's pumped, man. He's like, woo! And, and then sometimes I'll just, I'll just let him lay there. I'm like, just, bro, you just, you just have your time. <laughs> and he's like, ah! He's having a good old time. He's just, I mean, just having an awesome time. And, and, and you know, because he, he's been bound, he, you know, and, and, and so it's so funny. It's so cute. I mean, he just sits there, he giggles, he laughs, and I'm going, you know, we make these funny faces. If we had them on camera, people would be like, you're a nut. And so we make these faces and everything at him. And, and it's so cute when you take a five-month-old and you begin to change his diaper. And it's so funny. But you know what's not cute? It's not cute when you do that if somebody's like 42, Right? It's not cute anymore. So I think the church, we really need to realize, like, guys, the church isn't designed to be a changing station. The church isn't designed to be a place where we come in to, to just have our, our diapers. Listen, let's, grow, we, let's mature in Christ. Let's get in a connect group. Let's quit letting little stupid things. You know, I've seen churches almost split over, over pianos. Churches almost split over vans. Seriously? Come on, let's grow up. Let's be the church that Jesus died for us to be. Let's begin to live like Christ died for us to live. Let's begin to live like people who are unified with one purpose, to preach the gospel. That's what Jesus died for. Let's begin to live that way. Let's begin to be the church that he called us to live and and be. Listen to this. Verse 5. Verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, but Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. Listen to this. I think there's some things that as the church we've forgotten that we've got to get back to, okay? There's some things that we've forgotten that we've got to get back to. And what happens here in the book of Acts, when they begin to praise God, they weren't just praising God for, for like, you know, just little things. The actual translation of that says that they were declaring the mega works of God. And I believe this is the problem for us as the church. We've forgotten our sound. We have forgotten our sound. You know what the sound is? The sound is people rejoicing and praising God for the mega works he has done. The sound is us rejoicing in the fact that we've been taking from death to life. 
And you know what happened is, is when they began to praise and they began to rejoice about what God had done in their lives, people began to come. People began to go, what, what, what's this? I hear something. They're praising God. And isn't it awesome that, that when they get there, like a lot of them are like, wow, this is really cool, man. This is really cool. And then some of them are like, man, they're drunk. They're drunk. And what's funny, if you go on and you read it, Peter's, Peter's defense in this case was, listen, guys, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Right? It wasn't like, we don't drink. Listen, Jesus didn't call a bunch of choir boys when he called the disciples. They were like, look, there's some drunk fishermen again. They're like, we're not drunk. We're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's not the problem. But see, church, we need to get back to a place where we're rejoicing in what God has done for our, in our lives. The one thing, only two things I can figure, if we're not rejoicing and praising God for what he's done in our life, is, is one of two things. One is we've just forgotten what he's done. And we need to go back and we need to think, man, what, look, think about what God's done in my life. I can't believe it. I can't believe where God's brought me. I can't believe what he's done. I can't believe that I actually get to have a relationship with God. As impure and, and, and as raunchy and, and, and as bad as the things I've done in my life are, I get to know the living God. The second reason is God's never done anything in our life. That'd be the only other reason I can, that, that, that we've never really encountered him. We've never really known him. So we've got nothing to praise about. This is what I do know. God desires to change our lives. And God desires that you and I would be a people who unify, proclaiming the gospel, rejoicing in the mega works of God in our lives. If God changed my life, he can change anybody's life. I believe that with all my heart. If God changed some of my friend's life, he can change anybody's life. God can change anybody's life. I want to read a verse to you. It's out of Revelation chapter 19. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Worship God. Isn't that an awesome picture into heaven? The saints, a great multitude, praising God in such a way that it sounds like rushing waters. It sounds like claps of thunder. And here's the thing that I realize: If we don't like to worship Jesus and that's not enough for us, then then we're not going to like heaven very much. If you think it's loud in here, wait till we get to heaven. It's loud. Have you ever been standing there and a thunderstorm come up and all of a sudden, like one of those claps of thunder happens where the lightning and thunder happens at the same time? It's like, boom. You're like, oh my gosh. You're like, I think I just, I, I, I'll be right back. Yeah, because I mean, it's that scary. It is that, it is loud. People, we need to get our sound back. We need to realize what God's done for us. We need to begin to declare the mighty works of God. We need to realize that Jesus died so that we could go from death to life. He died so that you and I could be a unified people and and a bold people proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus died for. He's, He's given us a sound. We need to make that sound. We need to begin to proclaim the works and the deeds of an awesome and mighty God. Listen to this, Acts 2, 14 through 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the morning. There's his excuse. It's only nine o'clock. Check us at three. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. 
And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe the second thing we've forgotten is our purpose. Our purpose. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up and begins to preach. He begins to proclaim the gospel. And listen, he goes to a place that they will understand. Now, when we read these scriptures out of Joel, for us, it's kind of obscure. I mean, he's one of the, the minor prophets. We, he's kind of an obscure part. We really don't understand. But the Jewish people, they would have known these scriptures. The thing that Peter does is he stands up and he begins to speak to them in a context that they understand. And so many times as the church, we we worry so much about our personal piety that we forget about people who are dying and going to hell. Listen, we need to be willing to do whatever it takes, apart from sin, to bring people to Christ. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes. Listen, he didn't give up and give a discourse on the, the Trinity, right? Although you can find the Trinity in there. He stood up and said, let me explain to you guys what's going on. You know what that means? When you're rejoicing and you're producing the sound of God and, and you're praising God for what, and I'm not talking about walking through Walmart and just like, like worship. I mean, it, you can do that if you want. Just don't tell them what church you go to, right? So I'm, I'm talking about just living a life that's rejoicing and living a life that, that even when things start to go the wrong way, you think about the mega works of God that he's done in your life. You think about those things. And you begin to praise. And this opportunity comes. Why are you so happy? Why with what you're going through can you still smile? Why with what you're going through can you say it's going to be okay? Like right now, man, my dad is going through a terrible time. He had a motorcycle wreck about five years ago. Almost five years ago. And ever since then, he's been in terrible pain. He's back in the emergency room last night. Thought he had an infection. They don't know. He's in terrible pain. You know, it's hard to watch my dad go through that. It's hard to see that. It's hard to know that every day of his life he wakes up and he hurts. He's had like 15 surgeries in five years. And nothing seems to work. But you know, when I think about it, you know, I have to guard my heart from bitterness from the guy that hit him. Because he shouldn't have been driving in the first place. And I have to guard my heart from bitterness. And you know, whenever I start to feel bitterness creep in, whenever I start to feel despair creep in, you know what I have to do? I have to go back and think about the mega works of God. I have to go back and think about the fact that my dad knows Christ. And no matter what, no matter what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. No matter what, he ultimately has the victory because of Christ. We need to proclaim the mighty works of God. We need to be a people that, 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 that we look for opportunity when people come up and say, what is this hope that you have? We meet them where they are. We explain what's going on in our lives. When people walk in here, we need to meet them where, we are, where they are. We need to meet them where they are so that we can make the gospel clear to them. Listen to these verses. Acts 2, through 28. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs. Listen to this. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You 
have known, made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. How many of y'all remember when uh, Mike Tyson was in his heyday? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember, like, in the, anybody old enough in here to remember that? Like in the late 80s, like mid-late 80s, Mike Tyson was bad. Some of y'all just know like there was a game made after him, right? Like, I don't know how to play Mike Tyson, but he was a bad dude. Like, you would, you would be so excited because the fight was coming on, and you were going to watch the fight, and you'd pop your popcorn and get your nachos, and you'd be sitting in there, you'd, you know, you'd have people over, and you'd sit down to watch it, and he'd walk out, and he'd be like, bap, and it's over. And you're like, well... <clears throat> What do we do now? I remember when he fought Michael Spinks, he knocked him out in 91 seconds. It was basically like this. I mean, it was done. And, and you're just like, okay, it's over. It's over. And, and this guy, he was so, it was so amazing to watch him fight. He was so quick. I mean, people just didn't stand a chance. And the funniest thing is this ferocious guy, this ferocious guy, whenever they would come up after the fight and they'd be like, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us uh, the success that you had today? Why, why, why was it such an amazing victory? And they put the microphone in front of him, and this amazing guy, this brute of a man that just pummeled some poor dude and they, like left him shaking in the ring, he'd be like, well, I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, it's, it's just like this. I'm just unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. Nobody can stop me. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. You know, and he'd just go off, man. And, and you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Is it was true. He was unstoppable. But it was just so funny. You saw this ferocious guy all of a sudden with this like high-pitched voice. He's like, I'm just unstoppable. But what we need to realize as the church people is that we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Listen, nothing can stop us. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, that whole story about when Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who are you? Who are you? And some say, you know, some say the prophet, some say Elijah, some say this, some that. And then Peter, who makes me feel better because he always sticks his foot in his mouth. He was like, you're the Christ. And Jesus goes, blessed are you, Peter. This was not revealed to you by man, but by God. And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. You know what he's talking about? He's saying, listen, if a group of people can get a revelation of who I am, if they can begin to understand who I am, if God opens their eyes to see the truth of the gospel, nothing will stop them. He said, not even the gates of hell will stop the church. You know what, what, what the gate represents? In, in those days, man, listen, the gates were so important to the city. At night, they would close the gates so that people couldn't come in. It was, it was safety. It was security. It would keep what was in, in, and what was out, out. And this is what Jesus is saying. When people get a revelation of who I am, I'm going to go in and I'm going to knock the doors of hell wide open so that the captives can come out. And there's nothing that the devil can do about it. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said this, listen, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. We see him go to the cross. What did he say? It's finished. He's already kicked his butt twice. And the third one's on the way. We are a part of a church that is unstoppable. We need to realize that. Listen, my four-year-old Jackson, he is terrified of dogs. Terrified. I mean, it can be this big. We'll, we'll be at somebody's house, a little dog comes out this big. I mean, you could punt him. You could kick him through a field goal. And, and, and he's, he's, he, Jackson's like, oh, my God. He's like climbing up me. He's like, all of a sudden, he's on my back. I'm like, how did he get there? And he's freaking out, and I have to pick him up and hold him. I'm like, Jackson, the dog won't hurt you. The dog won't hurt you. Look, Jackson, he's nice, nice doggy, nice doggy. He's like, oh, he's just, he's just freaking out. And you know what? The funny thing is, no matter how many times I tell him that the dog won't hurt you, it doesn't sink in. I'm like, Jackson, the dog is not going to bother you. Quit running. This is what I want to tell you today, church. Let's quit running. You are, listen, you, so many times we back down from a dog that has had every tooth in his mouth knocked out of his head. Right? Let's quit running. Let's get a backbone. Let's stand up. Let's be people who act like they've been saved. Let's get, be people who act like they've been brought from death to life. And let's proclaim it. Let's proclaim it. Let's tell people about it. It's unstoppable. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. Let's fight from, from a win. Let's don't fight like we're fighting for a win. We have won. Let's be confident. Let's step up and let's do some things that that, that, that God can use. Listen to 
29 through 36. Brothers, I, I, I may say to you with confidence, listen, with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is without, with us today. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and all that we are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Listen, this, this whole plan, it was, it was planned long, long ago. Peter's going back and he's saying, listen, even David spoke of this day. We need to understand that this thing is rooted so deeply that is rooted in something so much bigger than us. That, that, and this is the fourth thing, that we are immovable. We can't be moved. My boys, if you've ever been around my kids, for instance, this will give you a little understanding of my children. I was doing a wedding yesterday, an outside wedding. And, and in the middle of the wedding, I look up and I look back over beyond the chairs and I see Susan standing. All of a sudden, I see tree branches moving. And I look up and two of my children are up in the top of a tree. I'm like, what? And so like with the microphone, I'm like, get out of the tree. And the, I didn't do that in the middle of the wedding, but, but they're in the top. I mean, that, my kids, they're, man, they, they go 100 miles an hour. And, 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 you know, one of the things that they love to do is they love, like when they see me, they love to run up and like hit me. I don't, I'm like, is that a love pad? I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what that is. I just run up and hit me. And you know what's funny, though? When they run at me, I don't go like, ah! And turn around and run. Why? Because I know they can't do anything to me. In fact, sometimes just to show them who's boss, when they start running, I'll just kind of do like that. And if you can get the timing right, man, it will drop them. I'm talking about drop them like a sack of potatoes. I mean, bam, hit the ground. Why? Because I'm immovable. They're, they are not going to knock me down. So it's like, bam, just a little hip. And I'm like, you better come harder than that, sucker. That's all I'm saying. And, and just knock them down. Why? Because I'm bigger. The problem for us as Christians is this. We see circumstances. We see threats. We see, we see Satan. And we don't realize how much bigger our God is than he is. We don't realize it. That Satan can bring his best and God's like, boop. You better come harder than that. He put him on a cross. He put, he put Jesus on a cross. And on the third day, Jesus steps out of the tomb. He's like, oh. And so it's like, oh, it's like, dang, because our God's so much bigger. Listen, church, we're immovable. You know, the only two things that are going to be left at the end of time for eternity, Jesus and his bride. The bride is you and I. I say we begin to live our lives with confidence, the confidence of a people who knows we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. And no matter what comes, we're going to fight because we know we have victory over death and the grave. When Jesus said, listen, Hades, Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You know what he had in mind? Death. And here when it says that, 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 he, was, that, that he rose from the grave, that he was raised from the dead, you know what he overcame? Death. If we're immovable, we will last forever. Because of Christ. For those of us who are in Christ will last forever. Last section. Let's read this. Beginning in verse 36. Let all the house of Israel know therefore that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Isn't it pretty awesome that at the first worship service, 3,000 people came to Christ? It's pretty amazing. The last thing that I believe we've forgotten, and this is amazing to me, that, that the church, the big C, we have forgotten this We've forgotten the gospel. We have forgotten the gospel. See, I don't believe that we need another self-help lesson. I don't believe we need another book on 10 steps to, to get your life right. I believe it's one step. It's when you come to Christ and you realize that your sins are forgiven. And because of that, in view of his mercy for your life, from that day forward, you become a living sacrifice that exists to worship God because you have gained the one true treasure, the only thing that will last forever, the only thing that will sustain you. And we come to a place where we realize I have gained it all. And from this point on, my life will be lived rejoicing in Christ. But we've forgotten the gospel. You know what we do? You know what we do? We, we want to remove the element of sin. Right? Like we, we don't want to talk about that. But let me ask you this. Anybody in here ever sin? Yeah. Let me help you. If you don't think you have, you have. Every one of us have screwed up. Every one of us have made a mistake. Why would we ignore that? Why would we ignore that right now, every one of us has something in our lives that needs to be gone? Right? Including the person talking to you right now. For some of us, we need to realize that we're dead in our sins because we've never come to Christ. That's what the Bible says. If you don't know Christ, you're dead. Dead in your sin. But the miracle of God is that through faith in his son, you today can go from death to life. But we like to remove sin. And if we remove sin, then there's no need for grace. And if we remove grace, there's no need for Christ. And if we remove Christ, there is no gospel. The fact of the matter is, people, that we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. We need to quit ignoring it. And listen, I would rather offend you with a message than I would you live your life offending God. Would you rather, would you rather hear the truth and go, you know what, that's something I need to work on. Or, or would we just rather ignore it? You know what we've gotten good at is we just pray that it'll go away. Right? We do that in work a lot of times. Like we got an issue with somebody and we'll just be like, I'm just going to pray it goes away. You know what's going to go away when you address it? Right? We need to quit hiding behind the fact that, listen, we've all got stuff. We are all a work in progress. There's not one person in here that if you stood next to Jesus, we couldn't tell you apart. Right? Be like, hmm, I don't know, any, many, mighty mo. Not one. And we need to realize, guys, that, 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 that the gospel is this, that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us so that you and I can be set free from sin and from death by coming to Christ. And when we become a church that presses into God, remember when Jesus said, listen, if you build your house on sand, it's going to fall. But if you'll do the things that I say, it's like building your house on a rock and, and it'll stand even when the wind and the rain come. What he was referring to is, is, is in that area in that day during the hot summer months and when it was really hot and dry, the ground was really hard. But the expert builders, the people who knew what they were doing, knew that if you don't dig beneath the surface, then what ends up happening is you don't get on any kind of solid rock. And then in the wet season, when the rains come and the winds come, what happens to your foundation? It disappears. We need to be a church. We need to be a people that are willing to dig deep, that are willing to press into God, that are willing to get into a connect group, that are willing to get with other believers. And you know what? Not hold back, not walk into church or a small group and go, well, everything's fine with me. Liar. Everything's not fine. Everything's not fine with me. We got to get honest. We got to get to a place 
where we realize the, the necessity of preaching the gospel, the necessity of preaching forgiveness of sins, the necessity of declaring the truth of Jesus Christ. We need to become a unified people, tight, tightly unified to proclaim the gospel. We need to become an empowered people that are pressing into God. This is the one thing I know is that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you hunger and thirst for Christ, then God will give you everything that you need. If you will hunger and thirst for him, you will be filled. I think a wise man said that one time. Oh yeah, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's, that's the truth, guys. We need to get back to the gospel. Man, when we come to Christ, man, we gain God. What else do we need? What else do we really need? And we need to be a unified people empowered to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. I know this, if you will surrender to God, he will give you everything that you need. Everything that you need. I'm not talking about physical, I'm not talking about you going to get the, the car. I'm, I'm talking about the stuff that matters, the eternal stuff. I'm not talking about, you know, you bling. I'm talking about, I'm talking about stuff that matters. Eternal things. And, and I heard somebody say this one time, and I'm, so I'm just going to rip it off of him. But I believe this with all my heart, guys. Hell is hot. Eternity is long. And our time is short. We need, to be, we need to be proclaiming the gospel. There really is a place called hell. There really is a thing called sin. But there is a truth called Jesus. And he has forgiven us. If we will place our trust in him, we can gain God. What is it for us to gain the whole world if we lose our soul? What is it for us to gain the whole world and a comfortable seat in a building if other people lose their soul? Come on, guys. We, Jesus died for us to be unified and proclaim the gospel. Listen, is the church on Sunday morning so that people can be, be, be saved or to equip the saints? Yes. Yes. Both. Get lost people here. Invest in them during the week. I can promise you this. We are going to preach the gospel. Pour into their lives during the week. Get them here on Sunday. I don't, you might lead them to Christ in, at work, which, by the way, you can do. I had somebody text me one time, and they're like, okay, I just prayed this with somebody. I don't know if I said it right. I'm like, did they place their faith in Jesus? And they were like, yes. I was like, cool. Do they understand that from now on they belong to him? Yes. Then okay. You can do this. We can do this. We can do this together and we can make an impact that will go on and on into eternity. We're going to have to be unified and we're going to have to be empowered to preach the gospel. Press into God, dig deep, and allow Jesus Christ to fill you with his spirit. Press in, dig deep, hunger and thirst for righteousness, hunger and thirst for Christ, and you will be filled. And I promise you, if you will surrender to him, he will get you what you need, when you need it, to do everything he created you to do. Amen? Let's pray.